We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. Just one out of five three- and four-year-olds in Maryland was enrolled in a state-funded preschool program during the 2021-2022 school year, according to the National Institute for Early Education Research. That figure is sure to jump over the next decade as the state implements the Blueprint for Maryland's Future, a multi-billion dollar education reform plan. In addition to improving teacher preparation programs and increasing career and technical opportunities, the Blueprint mandates a major expansion of voluntary full-day pre-kindergarten. What will this build-out look like? And what does state-funded pre-K mean for child care providers? Jennifer Lynch, Ph.D., is a member of the Blueprint's Accountability and Implementation Board. The board oversees implementation of the Blueprint and evaluates whether its outcomes are being achieved. Lynch also currently serves as Baltimore County's Senior Policy Advisor for Education and Workforce, and she's a former elementary school principal. She's with me here in studio. Jennifer Lynch, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And also with us is Christina Push. Executive Director of the Maryland State Child Care Association, a nonprofit membership and advocacy organization dedicated to the advancement of licensed child care and learning programs. Welcome back to the program, Chris. Nice to be back, Sheila. Thank you. Chris, federal pandemic relief aid to child care providers expired at the end of September. How did that aid boost providers in Maryland? It was a lifeline for our uh, small businesses. Uh, we have a, approximately, before the pandemic, around 8,000 childcare businesses across the state of Maryland. And post-pandemic, we are down to about 6,700. So we've lost a significant amount of small businesses, but we would have lost a lot more without the ARPA funds and the support of the federal government to states. So it was a lifeline. It was able to keep our doors open. It was able to provide childcare and early education for our most essential workers uh, during the pandemic. So it's been a difficult recovery, but it has been a lifeline. When you say that the number of providers shrank from 8,000 to 6,700, does that mean there's a lot less availability? Correct. There's a lot less slots available for families. So these are businesses. They are family child care businesses, which have a maximum of eight children in their programs. And it's center-based child care which has a maximum of, of no maximum. There's hundreds of children. So that leaves parents with less accessibility and possibly some affordability issues. As we know, inflation continues to grow. And so in order to pay the workforce, what has shifted and changed since the pandemic, many people work remotely. Trying to keep a workforce in place has been very difficult to um entice and uh, recruit and retain our staff. So in order to do that, we have to raise uh, tuition. That's difficult as well for families. It's already a top three household expense for them. Yeah, I want to talk talk to you more about the cost of it. But let me ask you, Jennifer Lynch, the blueprint calls for Maryland to use what is known as a mixed delivery Mm -hmm. system to accommodate the expansion of pre-kindergarten. What does this mean? So what the blueprint is really intending to do is to honor choice for our families and to allow our families to select what kind of a pre-K program they would like for their families. And so some of those will be offered in schools and some will be offered by private providers um, like we were just talking about. Um, So it, it really does allow that flexibility for families to choose that early learning environment that best suits their family's needs. Chris, what does the mixed delivery approach mean for providers? 
It is a double-edged sword. It is an important sweeping legislation that we are wholeheartedly behind, except that the mixed delivery needs to be equitable in order for the child care community to participate on an even playing field with the public schools. And so it also is important, as uh, Dr. Lynch was ment- mentioning, the parent choice, because parents don't work 6.5 hours a day. They, they work more than that. So we need to be working together um, and building those bridges so that families know they're getting the same amount of quality and opportunities in either setting that they choose um, while they need to work or go to school or be in training programs in our state. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking with Chris Push, head of the Maryland State Child Care Association, and with Jennifer Lynch, a member of the board overseeing implementation of the Blueprint, the state's education reform law. We're talking about the plan to expand full-day pre-kindergarten programs to three- and four-year-olds across the state. Jennifer Lynch, the Blueprint grants three- and four-year-old children from families earning incomes at or below 300% of the federal poverty level. That's $90,000 a year for a family of four. The Blueprint grants them access to full-day pre-K at no cost. How will this be paid for? So the funding formulas for the blueprint have been established as part of the original sweeping legislation. So every year, the per pupil cost that is allocated through that funding formula increases. Um, This coming year, I believe it's just a little bit over $13,000 per pupil will be allocated to either school systems um, or private providers will have who are eligible will have access to that funding as well. So it's part of the large omnibus blueprint legislation, and it's already accounted for in that law. So it will be paid for however the legislature year by year pays for the blueprint. Correct. Chris, what are you hearing from your members about this shift? What are, what are their biggest concerns? They are concerned. The business model for a child care program, and this is across the country, operates on razor-thin margins. So if we lose our threes and fours to public schools in a, in a true expansion of mixed delivery, then we won't be able to st- sustain our businesses. That's It's not sustainable without threes and fours because when you do offer infant and toddler care, and that is already uh, difficult to come by and very expensive because of regulation and space, um, if we lose the threes and fours, we, we won't be able to make up that money with infants and toddlers due to regulatory, you have a one to three ratio with a cap of six children. So our sorry, let me ask you to go through sorry. that a little more slowly. The three and four-year-olds are good for business because... Because infants and toddlers will not sustain our businesses. We don't. We barely break even. Because due to, yes. they need so much more staffing? Absolutely. It's a one-to-three ratio. We have to keep infants safe. Um, we have to have a, one caregiver or staff member per three infants, which is up to the age of 18 months. So we, we have to be sure to meet those ratios that are in regulation in Comar in our state. And so in order to do that and to pay at least minimum wage, we... Um, you know, have to charge a certain amount of money to our parents, and it's already very expensive. Some programs, like I mentioned, we had 8,000 and we're down to 6,700. Some of those programs don't even offer infant care because it's not worth it in their business. But if we don't have threes and fours because we've lost our staff and our children to public schools, we can't stay open. The only way that we can make some money and sustain our businesses is through three- and four-year-olds and some before- and after-school programs. And Jennifer Lynch, how far along in implementation are we? 
So I think every school system is in different phases of implementation, but the blueprint clearly sets out that the expectation that year over year our school systems will be increasing access and will be increasing the number of students who are participating in uh, the pre-K program. The percentages of what the amount of students who will be in public school versus the amount of uh, students who will be in um, private provider programs changes every year um, until we ultimately, hopefully, get to sort of a 50-50 model in which we we have 50% of our students are being um, served in that private setting. That will require a lot more infrastructure support of the private provider programs. Um, um, what does that mean, infrastructure well, support? So, as a like, I'll I'll use Baltimore County as an example right now. Um, every grade level in Baltimore County has approximately maybe nine thousand students. So, if you said we would love to be able to serve all three and four year olds, now right now the law says that we have to serve all low income students up to three hundred percent poverty level, up to six hundred percent on a sliding scale, and eventually all students would be able to be served all the way up to to a full-cost delivery model. But so if you had 9,000 four-year-olds and 9,000 three-year-olds, you would be talking 18,000 seats. In our private providers right now, we have a little over 200 eligible seats. So it is very difficult to get to a 50-50 model without really supporting private providers and opening new businesses, helping them to expand and sustain. Um, Or if that is not feasible in any local community, then the local school system has to handle that burden, which means expanding infrastructure supports of schools. It could mean anything from reimagining spaces within a school or needing to put additions on, changing staffing models. All of that will have to be considered to make sure that both private and public providers can keep pace with the increasing demand. And Chris Push, when do you think you're going to have a sense of whether your businesses have enough three- and four-year-old students, pupils, to be a healthy business? We have the threes and fours now. That's who serves all of the threes and fours. Child care is, is where parents turn at this point who are working. The blueprint offers the opportunity for parents to have free public pre-K and expand that voluntarily. So we already serve them. So What's happening is with the mixed delivery, we will be losing them to public school if we can't compete with public school. We can't compete with free, number one. So if we, and eligible is, is, a, is a good word that Dr. Lynch used, we have to be eligible. And the eligibility criteria, there's a lot of unintended consequences and they don't work right now. They're coming up with some additional uh, recommendations to meet that 50-50 minimum split because Maryland doesn't have the money, nor do they have the time to scale up to what Dr. Lynch was talking about and build more classrooms. You know how long it takes to do anything with regard to government and building that. So you really, we do need each other. This is an important partnership. We just need to figure out how to make it work because otherwise we will close more child care programs because we can't compete with free. And so those pr- parents who can go to public pre-K will if we aren't able to provide a pre-K setting for them. And right now, that is difficult to do because teachers, in our, we already have a workforce shortage, but on top of that, our teachers have to have a pre-K through third grade certification. 
and many don't have that. Many have bachelor's degrees. They might have um, associate's degrees. They might have what's called a CDA, but they don't have the pre-K through third certification, nor do as enough public pre-K teachers. So these are things that we have to really work on. If we're going to spend this kind of money, we need to figure this out together and make sure that our taxpaying dollars are going to the right place and that we have viable child care businesses available for working families. As children might be in school 6.5 hours a day, but parents don't work 6.5 hours a day. I think you make an excellent point because I think there is the economy of scale of school systems allows that offset of funding. So if you are a small provider and you have eight students in, you know, or 10 students in your home, if the per pupil cost is $13,000 a year, but you would normally charge anywhere from maybe eighteen to $25,000 a year, it is not in your personal best interest to become an eligible pre-K provider for these funds because you could, in essence, make more money by not accepting, you know, reserving some of these slots. Or if you do, then you can't cover the cost. You know, if it costs you, you know, you were saying our private providers operate on razor margins. If you can't operate on $13,000 a year, then you have no choice but to fold. And so I think it, it really does become a question of how are we supporting private providers while we're also making sure that our youngest learners are having really high quality experiences, which is why having certifications, having um, competencies, ensuring that our teachers are high quality instructors, whether or not they're in the home or in their school is very important. What that looks like and how we get there and how we measure that is, I think, something that I know our private providers continue to discuss with the AIB. And I would just piggyback on the fact that Dr. Lynch and I are in agreement that it's really important that our youngest learners and citizens learn through a, an inquiry-based curriculum, through play, through developmentally appropriate practices, and that we're not pushing down on our youngest learners because they're a very different cohort. And we have to find a way to make sure that we are not just looking at a certification for a teacher that doesn't meet the needs of that child. We, we need to meet the needs of the parents and the child, and quality is different in many ways and is measured in many ways, and I think we need to get to that for to really be successful with our youngest learners. We need to take a short break on the record. Jennifer Lynch of the Blueprints Accountability and Implementation Board and Chris Push of the Maryland State Child Care Association are going to stick with us when we're back raising educational requirements for child care providers. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Over the next decade, the Blueprint for Maryland's Future aims to upgrade the state's education system by increasing teacher salaries, 
bolstering career and technology training, and expanding full-day pre-kindergarten. That expansion of pre-K will take advantage of existing programs like Head Start and Judy Centers and private child care providers, in addition to increasing enrollment in the public school system. My guests are Jennifer Lynch, Ph.D., a member of the board overseeing implementation of the Blueprint for Maryland's Future, and Chris Push, head of the nonprofit Maryland State Child Care Association. Chris, you have talked about the educational requirements and the kinds of stresses that they may put on providers. Um, Jennifer, what are the new requirements and when must they be met? So our expectation that comes from the law is that every teacher will be a highly highly qualified and certified teacher, including those in our pre-K programs. Um, 2027, right, is the um, deadline for ensuring that that happens in our classrooms. Um, a lot of our school systems have taken... Um, that to heart and are already trying to accelerate that and moving in that direction a little bit sooner. But that is when we expect that every classroom will have a highly qualified teacher. And tell me what that process is going to look like, Chris, to providers. I mean, you said many, many teachers have BAs. They don't have the specific certifications. When you look ahead, how do you envision that would happen? So even with your BA degree in any field, you would have to, uh, according to the blueprint, you would, in order to be certified, you would have to take the specific coursework at a master's level, and you have to have do that online. If you're working full-time and running a child care program or a classroom, we're uh, looking for more online um, opportunities so that we don't have to not get paid and leave our jobs because that's not feasible either. And then on top of that, once you complete the coursework, you have to do an internship. And the internship practicum at this time is required in a public school setting. So that means you have to, and that's not even pre-K, it's K to 12. So they would have to leave their pre-K and go into a public school and work in a K through 12 setting to complete their internship practicums. And that isn't feasible either. And so that would mean long-term subs if we could even find any, which we don't have a substitute program or pool in the state for um, childcare. And it would mean that we would have to close our businesses and not be paid. And that doesn't work for families who need us. So it's not uh, feasible. And many, and if you have your associates or you're just getting into um, you know, the college level, it could take up to 10 years to get your degree. Again, we have a lot of immigrant um, women working in this field who have degrees maybe from other countries or haven't been able to um, engage in the higher education in their native language, which is, a, which is an issue because we want to have families have choice, as was brought up earlier. And many families, immigrant families, want teachers that speak the language and look like their children. This is best practice. So I think we need to address some of these issues so that we can make sure that we have all of our teachers and diverse dashboard of teachers in which was passed last year in legislation by Governor Moore to increase and address the critical workforce shortages. This is On the Record on WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast speaking with Chris Push, 
head of the Maryland State Child Care Association, and Jennifer Lynch, a member of the board overseeing implementation of the blueprint, the state's education reform law. We're talking about one of the blueprint's top priorities, expanding full-day pre-kindergarten for three- and four-year-olds. Jennifer Lynch, I hear Chris describe that process for mm-hmm. raising certifications, and it, mm-hmm. it, to me, is a non-expert outsider. It seems impossible. What is the state going to do to help make this possible? Well, the AIB has been engaging right now with our um, stakeholders and our community members, our our partners in private providers. Um, We do have a report that will be coming out shortly around um, this pillar, around early childhood in particular. And so we'll be looking forward to those recommendations uh, to see how we can move forward together. I think there's always an opportunity to talk about how we can be creative about getting to a place of high standards. I think where we all agree is that um, high standards is non-negotiable. And so, you know, expanding pre-K and having it be low quality has no positive effect on children. And so what we know is that we have to maintain that high quality and we can talk about how we're going to get there. There is that kind of flexibility in the blueprint, or will it need to go back to the legislature? Well, the the recommendations will come out, and then as part of that, the AIB will have discussions about um, you know what what those recommendations say, and there could be a variety of different solutions. Some that may require legislative action, some that may be something some things that the MSDE could be putting in place. That's it's a, a little bit premature to have those discussions at this point in time, but it's something that we are looking forward to those conversations in the next many months. I want to get back to um, the question of cost in the few minutes we have left. The Maryland Family Network estimates the average cost of full-time child care for a two- to four-year-old is a little over $200 a week in a family child care setting, or about $260 a week in a child care center. This is, as we've said, a big expense to a family. And Chris, I'm struck with your point about not being able, businesses not being able to compete with free Um, Jennifer Lynch, I wasn't under the impression that the blueprint was going to put businesses in the position of competing with free. What am I missing about how the economics, how the competition will work? Well, I think the... The idea of free is really in that we are providing free early childhood experiences for our three and four year olds in that 300% or below poverty level and on a sliding scale up to 600%. That is life-changing for our families who can then go back to work, to you, to exactly what you were saying before, um, that know that they have high-quality care that is free of charge to our families. This is something that the blueprint incorporates into the funding formula. Fully baked, um, it, we expect that pre-K will cost approximately $550 million, and that formula uh, is baked into the blueprint funding formulas. The per-pupil allocation does increase every year, and so we are seeing that ramp up now. We are getting closer at $13,000 per year per pupil. That would A private provider would be eligible to receive that as in the same way that a public school would be. Chris, private daycare in Maryland is already at a very high quality. Are you confident that that will continue in this new system? 
I think we are committed to high quality and that the programs in Maryland have had children ready to learn and ready for kindergarten, uh, and the data shows that. We are very concerned about the blueprint until we get on an equitable pathway to make sure that, as we talked about today, that our teachers and our programs will have the ability to participate at the same level as public schools and families have those choices. Um, we hope that the new recommendations from the AIB that are coming out soon for Pillar 1, as well as the new legislation that was passed this past session and more legislation that we are uh, understand is coming forward that will provide alternative pathways for these teacher certifications that will allow the child care providers to stay within their own programs and still pursue higher education through online, uh, online college and higher education opportunities. Well, clearly there is a lot for us to continue to talk about, so I hope I can talk to both of you again. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so Thank much for you. having me. Jennifer Lynch, Ph.D., is a member of the Blueprints Accountability and Implementation Board. Chris Push is executive director of the Maryland State Child Care Association. At the On the Record page at WIPR.org, we have more information about the Blueprint and its early education reforms. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. Tomorrow.